crown. There's a, the, there's a, uh, the, the, each of these crowns are rewards that the Lord gives us. And I think things like the soul winner's crown, for instance, when you attempt to lead someone to Christ, you make an appeal to bring them to Christ, you're given that crown. And every time that you do that, again, there's another jewel or something put in it. That's my, that part of it is my imagination. But there is a soul winner's crown in Daniel 12, it tells us about. And we will be able to lay those at the feet of Christ. I mean, the reason for the crowns is not for us to walk through heaven and say, oh, Mike, you only got three. Look, I got six. You know, I mean, that's not the purpose of them. The purpose of them is so that when we meet Jesus face to face, we'll have something worthy to give our Savior royalty. And so we will cry, holy, holy, holy. I'm looking forward to that. Boy, the kids did good today, didn't they? They All right. Um, We're in this series of the Ten Commandments, and we're in number nine, so just one more to go. And I'm already anxious to start another series with you. Um, And so I'm looking forward to that. But in the Ten Commandments, we find uh, the first four speak to our relationship to God Himself. The next six deal with our relationship to the people around us, the people of our lives. And so we're looking at number nine today. Now, I gave you a little uh, mnemonic learning device, remember, when we started this back several weeks ago. And it was kind of built around that... um, little nursery rhyme, one, two, buckle my shoe, three, four, shut the door, five, six, pick up sticks, seven, eight, lay them straight, nine, ten, a big fat hen. All right, well, using that kind of of, uh, background, we come to uh, the first commandment, which is, I am the Lord thy God, you have no other gods before me. So that means he is number one. So the first commandment is, God is one. One, two, buckle my shoe. Shoe reminds us, uh, if you get this picture in your mind, of a shoe that's stepping on something. And what's he stepping on? An idol. That's right, he's stepping on an idol. And so that tells us, reminds us, that uh, commandment number two is, you shall have no other gods before me. Make no graven image, no idols. Okay? Now, three, four. Okay, what's three? Well, three rhymes with key. And what do we do with a key? Well, a key unlocks locks, right? And if you can visualize a pair of lips with a padlock on it, it says we are to keep our lips locked and not use the name of the Lord thy God in vain, right? So three key, do not use God's name in vain. Okay. Uh, and that can be things like, oh, geez, you've just cursed using the, uh, the name of Christ profanely. Uh, one, two, buckle my shoe, three, four rhymes with what? Door. And we visualize in our minds a door that's in a bathtub, right? This, this door's getting bathed okay and that's that's not just any bathtub that is a sabbath tub right okay so four means tells reminds us that remember the and keep it holy all right one two buckle my shoe three four shut the door five six well five rhymes with hive 
And in any hive, you've got a queen bee and a, and a daddy bee, mama bee, papa bee. And whenever there is purity in the hive, in the home, there, um, well, excuse me, I'm ahead of myself here. Number five, hive, uh, uh, mama bee, papa bee, it means that's father and mother. And it says, honor your father and mother, right? So that your days may be long on the earth. So five, commandment number five is honor your father and mother. That's right, okay. One, two, buckle my shoe, three, four, shut the door, five, six, rhymes with sticks. All right, now sticks, you know, what kid has not gone out in the woods and taken a stick and made a spear out of it or try to make a, a, a bow and arrow out of it uh, or had some stick in her hand and uh, turn it into a gun? Now, I know this is not politically correct, but, you know, you tell me what kid hadn't used a stick for some kind of uh, Cowboys and Indians, you know, play. But that's what a stick is. A stick is meant to what? Kill. I mean, that's what a spear is. A spear is meant to kill. Arrows are sticks. They're made to kill. And so six rhymes with sticks, and that's to remind us, thou shalt not kill. All right, good. Number seven. Seven rhymes with heaven. And that's what a marriage is like when there's purity in the home. It is like heaven. There's safety, there's, there's uh, comfort, you know, it's like heaven. Uh, and so seven reminds us, heaven, that thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, there's to be purity in the marriage relationship. Seven, eight, well, eight rhymes with gate. Now, why do we put up gates? Well, we put up gates to keep out thieves, right? I mean, that's part of the gate. Gate keeps out thieves. And so what does a thief do? Steals. So eight gate reminds us thou shalt not steal. Nine, this is what we come to today, rhymes with vine. And in vine, I want you to think about the old serpent in the Garden of Eden, how he's kind of wrapped himself around the limb and comes out to Eve and said, did God really say? And lies came into the earth. And so nine vine reminds us thou shalt not lie. Just make it simple. It, uh, it says thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, but we're just going to say don't lie. And that's our focus for today. Okay. Next week will be 10, which rhymes with hen. And a hen, when she lays an egg, she sits on that egg and she covers it up and she doesn't want anybody to find it, right? And so she covets that egg, but that egg doesn't belong to her. That she belongs to the farmer. The farmer has paid, has fed her and taken care of her, protected her. And that egg belongs to the farmer. But a hen tries to covet, keep something not hers. And so we're going to look next week. And finally, in the last one is thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. His manservant, his maidservant, his ox, or his ass, and so forth. We'll look at that next week, okay? Now, we got them one through ten, right? I bet you, you can tell me one right in the middle. All right? Six rhymes with? Yes. Thou shalt not? Yes. Three rhymes with? Key. And it says, thou shalt not? 
use the name of the Lord's name, use the Lord's name in vain. I'll get it right, excuse me. Okay, now see, I can give you any one of them and you can name them, right? Do you know that only 60% of seminary students can give you all 10 and they can't give them all in a row? Now you know all of them, right? So give yourself a hand. Say, ah, boy, you did. Look at the person next to you and say, you did a good job. All right, you did a good job. All right. Now, God's laws are given to us for a purpose. They're given to us in our relationship to Him, and they're also given to us to, in how to relate to the people around us. And this morning, you see on your little outline you've, that I've given you, we're looking at uh, joy that comes from the respect of others. And this is way, when you do not bear f false witness or, and uh, you do not lie, you are actually respecting others. Now, there's a whole lot of strange laws out here. I, I got a list of them I looked up, and I want to share with you some of man's foolish laws, all right? Now, this is in Pine Island, Minnesota. Men must remove their hats when meeting a cow. I'm not making this up. It's in the books, all right? In Pocatello, Idaho, you can be arrested for looking dejected. So if you walk around, you know, with a sad face, man, you're off to jail. That'd give you a long face then too, wouldn't it? You get in jail, oh, look, I'm happy, I'm happy. I'm, yeah, no, it doesn't work that way. You're already there, okay. California, it is illegal to peel an orange in your hotel room. And that's where they grow them, all right? Kentucky, wives, oh, you're going to love this one, ladies. Wives must have their husband's permission to move the furniture in their home. That's in the books. Men's, men's laws, okay? Oh, I got another one down here. In Owensboro, Kentucky, it says a woman cannot buy a hat until her husband first tries it on. Now, where do you think... Men's laws, okay? These are the laws of man. Berea, Ohio. Berea, Ohio. Now, I think I can figure out this one. It says, all animals out after dark must wear a taillight. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I can think is uh, Amish buggies, you know, in Ohio. It's, I, I must wear a taillight. How how's that going to work on your cat, you know? Michigan. It is illegal, Michigan, now think about it, Michigan, it is illegal to tie a crocodile to a fire hydrant. <laughs> Detroit, Michigan, it's illegal to fall asleep in your bathtub. Now who's going to monitor that, you know? Uh, all right, I, got, I got just three more if you can stand them, all right? Natchez, Mississippi, <laughs> Mississippi, it's illegal for elephants to drink beer. Evidently, there must have been some circus come through town and people gave them a barrel of beer and the and and elephant got drunk, I, you know, so they passed the law. How often is that going to happen in Mississippi, all right? Indiana, you cannot take a bath in the winter. I guess that's why everybody's leaving Indiana, huh? All right, last one, Alabama, buying a sack of peanuts after sundown is illegal. Now, folks, that's men's laws, okay? <laughs> you know, there could be many, there's many, many more out there. That's just a, oh, you know, a dozen of them I found. Um, but you see, God's laws 
aren't silly, like tying a crocodile to a fire hydrant in Michigan, of all places. God's laws have a purpose behind them, and it is for you and to bring joy to your life. And that's why I've called this series The Highway to Happiness, because if you obey these laws, you understand that God, God gave them to you, to us, not to create fences to keep us in, you know, and try to, to bar us from getting to the good stuff on the other side of the fence. God gave them to us to kind of, it's more like mile markers on a highway to tell you where you are in your journey. You know, here's where you are. You're violating this, and this is going to be the result. And so today, as we look at number nine, thou shalt not bear false witness, uh, it tells you where you are in your journey. Are you, is this part of your habit? Is this part of your life? And then the consequences of that. What does that do to you and your relationships? And so that's what we're looking at today. So commandment number nine, I have it printed there for you. And just, let's just read it together, okay? You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Uh, you know, in the shorter versions, it says don't lie. You know, in the, in the gulag version in South Carolina, it says um, just don't lie. Psalms 34, 12, 13 and 14, I have printed there for you too. Let's read it together. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Father, add to, your, to the reading of your word wisdom and understanding. Father, we have, uh, as brief as this commandment is, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Help us, Father, to uh, really burn this in our heart and practice this with all of our being. Because in it is joy. With every commandment you've given us, there's a purpose, a plan, and there's protection protection for us to keep us from uh, destroying relationships, protection to keep us in good reputation and to keep us uh, with good friendships and relationships. So Father, in these few minutes we have, uh, speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit, as only you can. In Christ's name, amen. False testimony can be expressed in words, okay? Now, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, you, you know, you can just speak words and you can, um, uh, when you speak the words, there you go, one, there we go, there it is, okay. Uh, so we can express it in words, and that's just simply like, you know, telling a lie. Uh, one of the ways that we lie is slander. Now, who is the father of all slander? Where did it all start? Well, the Garden of Eden in... Uh, is where it started. In Genesis chapter 3, Satan, first of all, slandered God's word when he said to Eve, did God really say? So what, what was Satan doing? He was slandering God's word. He was saying God's word is not, it's not valid. Why, why are you hanging on to that? 
Satan also slandered God's righteousness because uh, he said, if you eat of this fruit, you shall not surely die. Now God says you're going to die. If you eat of this fruit, you're going to die. Now, was that a physical death or spiritual death? Well, we've, we've come on this side of the sin to recognize that this is a spiritual death. It's a spiritual separation from God. And Adam and Eve did die that day. What died was their intimate relationship with God because every day, every day, God would walk with Adam in the cool of the evening and speak to him. Can you imagine what that was like? But whenever they sinned, now Eve was deceived. Eve was deceived. Uh, Adam was the one who chose to go into sin. Because remember Adam? Adam says, Lord, it wasn't me. It was that woman you gave me. So first of all, he blames his wife, Eve. But then he goes a little farther and says, really? Lord, it wasn't just Eve. It was you because you're the one that gave her to me. And so uh, the, the, the father of all lies, Satan, slanders God's righteousness because God says, if you want to be in right standing with me, then there can't be any sin. There can't be any deceit. There can't be any disobedience allowed into my presence. And so Satan was even slandering God's righteousness. And he was also slandering uh, God's goodness because God was told him, he says, for God knows when you eat, your eyes will be opened. You see, God had just revealed to Adam what Adam needed and it was to be a blessing to him. So we can, we can uh, be deceitful in words. And, and, and that happens in slander. We can also be uh, deceitful and give poor testimony against our neighbor uh, with evasive answers. Evasive answers. Um, a good example of that is in Genesis 4 where God came to uh, Cain and said, Where is your brother? Now, do you think God knew where Abel was? you think God knew what happened? Sure he did, because he said, Abel's, your brother's blood is crying out from the earth on me because Cain killed him. And, and what was Cain's response? Did he say, oh, he's dead, I killed him? No, he didn't. He said, am I my brother's keeper? See, what he spoke was true, to an extent, but it was evasive. And so you can bear false testimony uh, about your neighbor just by being evasive in your responses, not being direct. Let your yay be yay, your nay be nay, anything more than that's sin. Now that's really hard for a lot of us, isn't it, to just speak yes or no. I mean, we've all got a running commentary on everything, don't we? I mean, you know, we've all got opinions about everything. I got an opinion about nuclear fission. I have no idea what it is or how it works, but I can give you an opinion on it, all right? So uh, we, we can be evasive. So words can be even evasive. Or uh, we can offer just a deliberate falsehood, just a deliberate lie. Genesis 27, remember Jacob was stealing Esau's blessing? And so he disguised himself in, in Esau's clothing and he put uh, uh, animal skins on his hands so he'd feel... Harry and uh, 
Jacob uh, told his dad, he says, well, no, this is Esau. I'm Esau. I am. Give me your blessing. That was just a direct lie. So it's not just a, the direct words of speaking a lie. Sometimes we can just be evasive. Sometimes we can, we can slander people with just ideas and so forth. Now, perjury is also a, a lie, and that's stealing justice. Now, I don't have that in your notes there, but it, it, they're in the, in the margin somewhere. Write um, Exodus 23, uh, 1 and 2. Exodus 23, 1 and 2. You can look it up later on. Let me just read it to you. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a wicked man by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. For when you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Isn't that what the false witnesses did with uh, Jesus? He was innocent. And they couldn't find anything wrong with him, and so they conjured up false witnesses. They perjured themselves. Why? Because it went along with the crowd. And folks, you can bear false witness by simply going along with the crowd instead of speaking against the crowd if the crowd's wrong. That's bearing false witness. So that's why sometimes silence, sometimes just being silent is bearing witness against your neighbor. When you know something's wrong, silence can be sin. Gossip, you know, you can gossip and talk about something. You say, well, I'm not the one to gossip. It's all those people I tell stuff to. That's who gossips. <laughs> you know, that's, that's where that comes from. Well, um, we, we, can, we can be guilty of gossip, you know, in a false witness. So, we can bear false witness in words. We can also bear false, oh, well, here's another one, just misrepresentation. Um, this kind of goes along with e evasive answers. Uh, there was a ship's captain who found the first mate drunk one day. Uh, he was supposed to be on duty. And so the captain entered into the logbook, uh, first mate drunk today. Well, the first mate, you know, when he was on duty, he read the captain's report and he begged him to take that out of there. He says, if this goes back to uh, uh, Plymouth where we're harbored, I'll never be able to get a job on a ship again because it shows up as drunk. And please, please take that out. Please change that. I mean, I've, I've served you exemplary just one day. I, I, I messed up one day. That's all. Please. Captain says, no, it's got to stand the way it's, it's written. I mean, that's what happened today. So when the first mate, it was his duty to, the captain was asleep and off duty, and so the first mate was in charge, he wrote in the log, today, Captain Sober. Now what's the innuendo? <laughs> the innuendo is, well, today he's sober. Uh, and that was just, a, that's an evasive answer, okay? Just an evasive answer. So... Uh, in words, we've got to be careful that we don't sin against our neighbor and perjure them or profane them uh, with words. And we can also do it in attitudes, not just words, but also in attitudes. Um, I have printed there for you Proverbs 16, 28. Follow along as I read this one. It says, a perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. 
So in our attitudes toward other people, we can uh, bear false witness against them. And then Proverbs 24, 28 says this, Do not testify against your neighbor without cause or use your lips to deceive. Do not say, I'll do to him as he has done to me. I'll pay that man back for what he did. Now what is that? That's vengeance, isn't it? Have you heard anybody say, I don't get mad, I get even? Oh, isn't that a, see, this is exactly what Proverbs says. Absolutely not. You, you, you and I are not to get even. You and I are not to try to keep score because that's bearing a false witness. Sometimes uh, it's silence. We can bear a false witness in silence. And I think I've already addressed that in cowardice. Uh, d don't let people use you for a garbage can. Don't let them come and dump garbage on you. And just by being silent, you can be a partner or a part of uh, a, a testimony or a lie. Uh, Leviticus 5.1 says this, if a person, in fact, let's just read this one together, okay? If a person sins because he does not speak up when he hears a public charge to testify regarding something he has seen or learned about, he will be held responsible. So if you do not speak up, or speak up against something in the public realm that is wrong, then you are going to be held responsible for that. So sometimes just our silence, our silence can have us bear false witness. Uh, let's go to Roman 2 on this. False, false testimony can be expressed in words, it can be expressed in attitudes, it can be expressed in silence. But false testimony can be traced to cause. So what's the cause of false witness? Where, do we, where does it come from? Well, I have that printed for you here too in John 8, 44. Follow along as I read this one. I want you to underline some phrases here. You belong to your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Underline that last phrase. He is a liar and the father of lies. So where does the source of lying come from? Well, it can come from the world of flesh, the devil. It can come from the world, just us keeping silent. It can come from our flesh when we just have this idea that, you know, I don't get mad, I get even. Or it can come from the devil, who is the father of all lies. He is where it began. It began with him in the Garden of Eden. And when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, he says, you are of your father, the devil. He is the one, and so that's the, there's the root cause. There's the root cause of it. Now in the flesh, right in your margin there, Mark 7, 22. You can go back and look at this later on. Mark 7, 22, I have it printed on your screen here. It says this, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Would you underline that? Come from inside and make a man clean. Mark 7, 22. See, that's where deceit and lies come from. They come from inside. They come in our, inside our heart. Now, Roman 3, false testimony has a price. We've seen that false 
testimony can be expressed. False testimony has a, it, it's, can be traced back to a cause. But false testimony also has a price. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. Isn't that a powerful psalm? God, God says the, the liar, the deceiver, is not going to stand in my presence. I'm not going to have someone in my presence who's a false witness. In Proverbs 19.5, there in your syllabus, it also says this. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who pours out lies will not go free. God takes purity of your words and your actions and your heart seriously. Now, you know, we can get down just a plain old country. Thou shalt not lie. That just kind of sums it up, doesn't it? But we can lie in words. We can lie in actions. We can lie in attitudes. We can lie um, and mischievously, we can lie in our silence. So what God wants is a truthful witness. He wants you and I, as followers of Christ, to be truthful so that folks can count on us. Because you may be the only Jesus that somebody sees or knows. You may be the only person. In fact, I, I had a, a, a man, I think I've told you about it, Eugene Earhart. He taught me, if disciple, if I can use that word, he really taught me uh, the world of uh, commercial real estate development. Uh, I didn't know a lot about it right out of college. I had an economics background, but Gene taught me uh, finding, finding real estate sites. Uh, how, what kind of piece of real estate is good for retail? And he's a genius in a lot of ways. But Gene, Gene was lost, and I loved him because, he, I don't know, I just, I just liked Gene. But boy, he was coarse. I mean, the... When we were in the office, the air was blue around him just from the curse words and everything else, you know. And so I witnessed to him all the time. I just shared with Christ with him. And then so one, one night, we were, I forget, we'd been at a, at, a, at a zoning hearing or something. I'm not sure what it was, but we were there late at night. And, and I said, Gene, listen, you know, the daytime we get all kinds of phone calls, all kinds of busy, just you and me right here. And I really pressed the claims of Christ to him again. And Gene said this to me. He says, Dave, you don't understand. He says, I grew up Roman Catholic. And he says, I just saw the fallacy and all that. He said, you know, I can do anything I want to and then go to the priest and confess and I'm fine. He says, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And then, I mean, Gene was, was a brilliant man and, and thought through uh, the logical conclusion of what he'd been taught, you know, in, in Catholic school when he was a kid. And so he was a nothing. He was nothing. And, and uh, his, biggest, his biggest issue was uh, how could a holy God, a loving God, how could he allow the suffering that I've seen? He traveled extensively in the world and been to India and said, that, you know, I can remember stepping over and around people dying literally on their last breath. People on the street, nobody helping. How can people treat others that way? How can God allow such suffering? That was his question. 
And so I began to answer those questions for him. And he says, Dave, I'm really struggling with this. And then he made this statement. I never will forget it. He said, you need to understand, Dave, you're the only Christian I've ever met. And I thought, oh my goodness, boy, are we in trouble if I'm the only one because my life wasn't exactly exemplary in every, in every by any sense of the word. Uh, but you see, that's what God wants out of us. God wants your life and mine to be exemplary, to have pure speech, to have right attitudes, so that people, when they look at you, can say, that person has God living in them because they're unlike anything else I see in the world. So that's his response. I mean, God, God wants us, and that's why he says here, no one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one who speaks falsely will stand in my presence. God puts a great premium on personality and character. So, false testimony. It also can be cured. False testimony, uh, false testimony can be cured. I mean, you can be healed of this. You say, you know, I look back at my life and I can see that I have been guilty of a number of these kinds of things. And who in here hasn't ever told a lie. I'd like for you please to raise your hand right now. Is there anyone? Did you see my hand go up? <laughs> okay. We're all guilty, aren't we? We're all guilty. Okay. Now, what God wants though, God wants your life to be healed of that and it can be cured. Um, but the problem is, you know, we're already sinners. Now, how many times did Adam and Eve sin before God kicked them out of the garden, out of his presence? <laughs> Once. Everybody in this room has already confessed, everybody else, that you're guilty of at least one, right? So that means we're all together unlovely. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one, not one. So if you're a guest with us today, you need to understand you're sitting right in the middle of a bunch of lying, liars thieves, you know, I can go on with the list, <laughs> but we are. But praise the Lord, that can be cured. And so let me spend just a couple minutes here on, on how to get this cure. First of all, um, put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Once you come to Christ, once you recognize, yes, I am sinner, I have fallen short, and I am in that camp of those who are not going to stand in God's presence, the cure to that is to come to Christ and have your sins forgiven completely. And when Christ comes into your life, and here's the way that works. You and I can't do anything to get rid of the sin in our life. There's no way. We can't, we can't do it. There's, it's already here. We've already got it. It's already in the book. The angels have already written it down. It's there. And it can't be taken out. You know, Matt, sober today. <laughs> well, it's not quite that bad, but, it's, but we're all guilty. And the only way the, the scripture tells us that sin can be removed from our life is to trust in what Christ did on the cross for us. Because Jesus Christ, God himself, left heaven, came to this earth, was born of a virgin. We celebrate that at Christmas time. Was raised and not one time in his whole life did he sin. Not once. He was the perfect sacrificial lamb for your sin and mine. And in the Old Testament, 
uh, we would need to bring a lamb, a one-year-old male lamb, to the high priest to be examined. Their throat would be cut, the blood would be caught, the lamb would be skinned and looked for any secret uh, blemishes. And if there were no blemishes under the skin, you know, the wool might be covering a scar or something like that. If that lamb was perfect, then that lamb was offered up as a sacrifice and my family's sins were atoned for for the year. But next year we've got to do it all over again. And we've got to do it over again and do it over again. But Jesus Christ was God's perfect sacrifice. He was examined in a civil court on the outside, found innocent. Pilate says, I find nothing wrong with this man. There's nothing that he deserves death from. Then he was examined internally in a religious court. And the high priest could find nothing wrong with him there. So they conjured up lies. So he was the Lamb of God examined externally, internally, found innocent. They crucified him. And the reason he was crucified was he gave his life on a cross and shed his blood to pay for my sins and yours. And the only way we can get our sin removed is by coming to Christ. So that's the, that's the cure. The cure for all of our sin is to come to Christ. But oh my, since I've come to Christ, I have fallen short. I, 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 I sin. Well, first of all, put on the armor of God. And Ephesians 4 tells us, you know, the feet shod with the gospel of peace. Uh, pick up the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and put on the belt of truth. I think I have that printed there for you, Ephesians 6, 14. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now what's truth? Well, when anything good happens, pass the praise on to Jesus. When anything bad happens, pass the criticism on to the Lord Jesus. You know, put the belt of truth because Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So put on the truth. Put on Christ. Live with him every day. Every day, have him buckled on. I mean, when you get up in the morning, you know, say, Lord, I want to put on the belt of truth. Christ, I want you to surround my life. I want you to hold every piece of armor in place. And I am trusting you to protect me against the fiery arts darts of the enemy that come at me. So put on the belt of truth. Because if you don't do that, the enemy is going to defeat you. How would you like to go into battle without any weapons? Without any protection? And that's exactly what happens when you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, and you eat your breakfast, then brush your teeth, and you go to work. And you're walking into the world unprotected. So put on the armor of God. So that you can stand against the wiles of the enemy when they come. Then get close to the truth. You need to get close to him. Not only buckle on Jesus, but get close to him. The closer you get to Christ, the more you'll become like him. So get close to him. Jesus changes the hearts. And he says in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am, underline that, the truth and the life. So get close to him. Know him. How do you get to know him? Well, you know, my wife and I, when we were dating, you know how we got to know each other? We talked a lot, okay? We, uh, and whenever I was in the service, I, I got 
a letter from her every day. She didn't miss a day sending me a letter. I've told you about those, you know. Yeah, boy, and at first, as soon as I get them, first thing I do is, <laughs> boy, because she always sprinkle the, sprinkle that thing with perfume, boy. Yeah. Because, you know, those were love letters, all right? Those are love letters. And what's a love letter? A love letter says, I love you, I care for you, I, I ha we have plans, I have plans, I have a vision for our future together. But, and I'd write her back, I said, there are guys who are going to try to steal you away from me, steal your heart from me, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? Think about the Bible. You see, the Bible is 66 love letters where God is, is saying to you, I love you, here's what's out in the world that's out to destroy you, that's out to pull your affections from me. Here are the things that can destroy your character. Here, here's my plans. Here's my dreams for us in the future. 66 love letters. Just bound. And it's all of it is, is God saying, this is how much I love you. That's how you get to know Him, is you read the love letters. Yeah, read love letters. You know, one day <laughs> we're moving from Fort Lauderdale to Sarasota. And all of a sudden, and I got my son in, in this little study I've got, and he's packing boxes. And all of a sudden it got real quiet in there. And I go, and I stuck my head in there. And he found those love letters. He's 12 years old and he's reading these love letters. He goes, what are you doing, Matthew? Oh, Dad, this is mushy stuff here. You know, I said, give me that, boy. What's the matter with you? Those are mine. Those aren't for you. See, those letters weren't meant for anybody but me, right? How in the world I got all of them back, I don't know. But I, 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 got, I, I saved every one of them. But folks, that's what the Bible is. And if you really want to defeat lies, deceit, envy, slander, get put on the belt of truth. Get close to the belt. Get close to truth. Know Him. Know Him intimately. And the way you do that is by reading. And another way that uh, false testimony can be cured is by confession. Now this is not going to the Catholic priest and, you know, sitting in our booth and confessing. Uh, in uh, 1 John 1, 9, it says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that word confess is a compound Greek word. Homo legeo. Homo means the same, one and the same, like homogenized milk. You take, if you, if you in here ever milked a cow or seen the milk, okay. You milk a cow and, you know, that milk, it's not, you let it set just a little bit and all of a sudden you got half of its cream and half of its milk. You know, it's not, so you run it through a homogenizing process. It breaks the butterfat down and, and it's all one. And the milk you buy at the grocery store right now is homogenized milk. And when you look at it, all that butterfat is in the milk. It's homogenized. It's one. It becomes one. So homo means one. Legeo means to speak or to say. So homo legeo, this is confession. Confession is homo legeo, one to say. In other words, to say once, the same. Basically, we translate that when we, it is to speak the same thing about our sin 
that God says about it. If we confess our sins, homologate, if we say the same thing about our sins that God says about our sins, then he says, I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm going to take... Now, you're already positionally cleansed if you've given your life to Christ. You're already positionally clean. But, so your position can't change. But that relationship, that intimacy of relationship can... Uh, be brought back into fullness if you confess, say, Lord, today I lied. Lord, today I was really self-centered. Lord, today I spoke... Romans 8, verse 1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you have given your life to Christ, don't think that just because you sin now that you've lost that relationship that you have. There's no condemnation. What I'm speaking about is the intimacy of the relationship that you have. That's what can be cured. That's what can be healed by confession. And finally, by daily practice, um, the uh, deceitfulness, lies, bearing false witness, can be defeated by daily practice. Ephesians 4, 29, I have printed there for you. Let's, let's uh, read, follow along as I read this. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So instead of speaking curses or speaking lies, what are you and I supposed to speak? We're supposed to speak blessing. We're supposed to speak things that will build each other up, that will encourage. And so you just might underline only what is helpful for building others, okay, according to their needs. That key phrase. And finally, when that deceitfulness is healed out of our lives, what's the reward? The reward is simply this. Psalms 24, 3 through 5. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. There's the reward. The reward is you'll be able to ascend into the holy hill of God with your head held up and high because, now notice it says, or swear by what is false. God says, I don't want that. I don't want that in my presence. So, commandment number nine is joy that comes from the respecting of others, respecting others' character, respecting others' lives, respecting people. That's where joy comes from. Let's pray together. Father, I would ask, Lord Jesus, that you help us to, to live this daily, Father. It is a daily practice. It is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day thing, Father. All of us, we confess 
Father, I certainly confess the weakness of my flesh and the weakness of my person to stand against any sin. Holy Spirit, without you admonishing me, correcting me, bringing conviction on me, helping me to understand sin and then to stand against it, Father, I, I have no other source. And so, Spirit of God, would you work in my life? And I pray for each of those that are here this morning. Any who hear in the sound of my voice, Father, I pray that they would apply this this verse, this ninth commandment that says we will not bear false witness against our neighbor in any way, shape, form, attitude, even in silence, that you'd find us truthful like our Savior Jesus. Now with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, just, just for another moment, I wonder if you're here this morning well, I know you've already confessed to me and to the rest of the congregation that you've sinned. And we're all guilty. But have you come to Christ? The Bible says, for God so loved the world. That, that's you. You can put your name in there. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish in eternal hell but have eternal life in heaven have you accepted Christ have you opened your heart to him if you've not done that then in this remaining few moments we've got right where you're seated would you open your heart and life to him you say, well, Brother Dave, how do I do that? How do I get this sin forgiven? How do, can I be assured that heaven is my home? Well, it's as simple as ABC. A, you need to acknowledge that you're a sinner. And you've already done that with all of us. God saw that. You've acknowledged that you're a sinner. Now the question is, B, would you believe? A, acknowledge your sin. B, would you believe that Christ loved you and gave his life for you? Do you believe? I would ask you right now, do you believe that Jesus loved you enough to die for you on the cross? If you believe, now the question is, will you call? Call on him. C, A, acknowledge. B, believe. C, call. Call on him. And the way we do that is prayer. How do you call on God? Is prayer. Have you called on Jesus and said, Jesus, come into my life? And become my Lord, my Savior. Let me invite you to do that right where you're seated. If you've never done that before, open your heart now to him. Believe and call on him. And if this prayer expresses your heart's desire, just say it to him. Lord Jesus, I ask you to become my Savior today. Because I believe. Now just tell him thank you. In your own words, your own way, any way you want, just say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for snatching me from hell and giving me a passage to heaven. You know why you can say that? Why you can say thank you? It's because the Bible says, not me, but the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. And if you've called on him, you've been saved. Tell him thank you. Father, we pray that that miracle has happened in someone's life here today. Give them the boldness now to take their place in the household of faith. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to conclude these last few minutes with Invitation is this. Uh, we're going to. Uh, nobody's going to compel you to do anything. Nobody's going to force you to do a thing. That's why we call this an invitation. We invite you. If this morning you've given your life to Christ, or maybe you have questions, say, I don't know what it is I need. I know I still have questions about this. That I invite you in just a moment, we're going to stand together, invite you to leave your seat to come here, stand here with me, and we'll answer your questions. In fact, we'll slip away in a private room right over here just and answer your questions. But don't go away without Christ. If you've just given your life to Christ, then take your stand for him. Now, why do I offer an invitation? You say, I've been in other churches. They don't do this. I do that because Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me, I'll deny you. Those are powerful words, folks. Powerful words. Jesus says, I want you to take a stand for me. You know, one day I stood before all the people that made any difference to me in the world. And I stood in a place right down here. And I said, I, I want to give my life to this lady right here. Why? Because I'm not ashamed of her. I, I wasn't ashamed of her. And I wanted the world to know that, that uh, I was committing my life to her. It's the same way with Christ. I'm not ashamed of Jesus, and so I take a stand for him, because, and it's not, it's not duty, it is, it is my love for him that I stand and say, I love him, and I want the world to know that he's mine. And that's the invitation. So if you've never taken that stand before, we're not going to embarrass you, I would not turn you around and say anything. Just like that moment of a marriage, I'm going to invite you to stand here, and what you're saying is, I'm going God's way today. That's all you're saying. So as we stand together and sing, you come. Okay, would you come? It's the right thing to do. We're not going to tarry long. Quickly, would you come? I hear the Savior say, Thy strength Come join me right here. Is small, child of weakness, watch and pray. To him I owe. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as washed it white as snow. Thank you. The invitation is always open as long as we're here, but I just always have to give folks an opportunity to stand here publicly and let them know that I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. We're going to conclude the service here with an offer, offering. We're going to receive our morning offering. And then I want to present somebody to you, some people to you that, for, uh, that have become members of our fellowship. And I want to, uh, to do that. But uh, men, as you come and receive our morning offering, if you have that uh, little communication card, uh, drop that in the offering plate, okay? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the privilege we have of worshiping you in this place. 
Father, I pray that you give us all the boldness to share Christ wherever we are, Father, as a result of our love affair with him. And Father, I know, recognize that that's what really an offering is. An offering is simply a reflection of how much we love you and how much we care. And so, Father, uh, receive this offering. Use it for your glory here, locally, around the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. someone I want to uh, introduce to you. Last, uh, last Sunday at the invitation, Sharon Crawford, Ms. Sharon Crawford came and, and wanted to uh, join our fellowship by letter. And if you would receive her and love her and welcome her into this family, would you say amen? amen. Any opposed? Hey kid, you're in. All right, all right. I want you to come by. I want you to greet Sharon. All right. And uh, Somebody you know needs to know. Oh, by the way, next Sunday. Okay, next Sunday. Casual. Shorts, maybe jeans. I'll be in jeans, okay? You don't want to see what's on. You know, I, uh, uh, but, uh, um, and I've already, I've already decided, Susanna, I'm going to make potato salad, okay? Okay, party potato salad. It's all right with her, yeah. But see, I'm going to make a whole lot so that uh, maybe you don't eat it all because I love it and I want leftovers, all right? Now, uh, you all, I'm going to get just ahead of you here, and you're dismissed. <laughs>